0: Appointment and briefing in the sermon series on the commissioning, spoken by Pastor Doug Cho. If you haven't been with us before, um, we're going through the Book of Matthew. We did the, we went through the Sermon on the Mount first the past seven months. So, that was seven months of just going through, um, you know, the Beatitudes and what Jesus was preaching and, you know, his heart for his people and all the things that were going on there. And that, that was, like, really awesome. So, we finished that. Last week, we had a free worship Sunday, which was, I believe, like, one of the first times we did that. Uh, it was beautiful, all right, we got a fan right now, Uh, it was a beautiful time of worship, I just want to give it up to our worship team for really just leading us through that, Um, it was amazing, it was incredible, thank you for doing that, Uh, we had a powerful testimony from our sister Sylvia, and she was up here preaching about her freedom, so that was, yeah, you can clap for her too, that was amazing, and you know, when I think about that Sunday, um, it really highlights this thing about the church for me, and that's You know, as important as, you know, we have people come up on stage and whatnot, what's actually truly important is the body of Christ, right? We cannot do these things without the body of Christ, right? There is no worship without the body of Christ. We need that. So your worship, I hope that you understand the importance of your worship, that you understand the importance of what comes out of your mouth, the utterances of your mouth, the prayers that you pray, and the things that that you are doing and your spirit. That is involved in all of this. We are all important. You are all very, very important. Uh, So, I have the pleasure of starting off or kicking off this second series. Uh, We're going into the second great discourse of Matthew. I believe we're calling it, oh, there it is, Commission Impossible, right? Our mission. Should we choose sticks? That's funny, um, but yeah, it's the second discourse is about this appointment and commissioning of God's people to doing the work of God for the kingdom. So we're going to look at that in Matthew 10. But in actuality, I want to look up at the verses that set us up for this commissioning. Right? We're going to look at some of the verses before. Uh, if you're reading through Matthew. Um, Jesus, he's going from town to town, he's going from place to place, he's preaching about who he is, he's proclaiming that he's the Messiah that came for Israel, he's healing people, he's doing works, he's doing miracles, he's driving out impure spirits, and he has this crowd of people that are following him. He has proclaimed he's the Messiah in word and in deed, right? He's healed people, he's raised the girl to life, he's even declared that he has the authority to forgive sins, And this causes a lot of drama because only God is supposed to have the authority to forgive sins. So that brings us to Matthew 9, the very end of it, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus is doing all these amazing works. He sees this crowd that's coming for him, to him, to hear him, to receive healing from him. And his reaction to seeing this sight is, compassion right the greek translates better to his heart was moved with compassion his heart breaks for these people Right, that same word is used during, uh, in the story when Jesus sees a widow who's d- doing a funeral procession because she's, this widow is mourning the death of her son. And he sees her. He sees her sorrow, and his heart breaks for this widow. So what does he do? He raises her son to life because he loves her so much. He sees these people that are coming for him to hear him, to receive healing from him, and he's not excited. He's not amped. He's heartbroken for these people. His heart is moved with compassion. And then he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then we have our commissioning. So as we look at our text today, we're going to go through three directives to go. Right? Three directives to go. But before that, let's just bow our heads and pray together. Father, just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for every single person here. That, God, we can gather in this way as a church family, God. So we ask, Lord, that the train of your robe fills this place, Lord. That your presence would just be so tangible, God. And that people would be aware of what you are doing. That your hand is moving upon them right now, God. Lord, we pray that you would break every chain in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you would free every stiff neck in Jesus' name, Lord. We pray for every single ailment in Jesus' name, Lord. We lift it up to you because we believe in the power of Jesus. That, Lord, it is not just um, the scrupulous thing we cry out. It's not this thing we do for for theatrics, God. But we've seen, we have witnessed, Lord. We are witnesses of your healing, of your power, of the freedom that you bring to your people, God. So I just pray, Lord, right now, that the same authority that comes from your name, that you would speak through me, Lord, that I would be your mouthpiece, Lord, and that your people would be anointed with that same authority, God, to receive your word and to go, to do your work as kingdom builders. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's read through Matthew 10. Matthew 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay? So this is the first part of our text. Immediately after Jesus sees this crowd, he makes note for the need of workers. And he makes this commission to the apostles to go out and go on mission. Right? So why 12? Right? We know historically, actually, it wasn't just 12 people that were being commissioned. It was actually historically a larger group of apostles that witnessed Jesus, that went out and did his work. Right? So we, we do see here that Matthew is probably making a comment about this uh, redemption for the 12 tribes of Israel. Because that's who he's, who he's uh, addressing right now. This completeness of what Jesus is doing for um, just the kingdom of God. So when we see that, when we see this text, this authority that is given to drive out, to heal, to do these works is not just for these 12 people. It's for everyone. This authority is not only my authority, it's your authority. It's our children's authority because that is the spirit of God that we have inherited and received the moment we profess that we believe. This command then, this command is for everyone. You're, this authority doesn't come with, you Just you don't just get it, right? You don't get it. There's a responsibility that comes with it. There's a command that comes with it. And basically, it's summed up in this. The life of the Christian disciple is clearly marked with the proclamation of the good news to the ones who have not heard it. The life of the Christian disciple is marked with the proclamation of the good news to the ones who have not heard it. And so two things I want to kind of note on that. One, proclamation. That is definitely telling people, yes, it's definitely telling people Jesus has risen. It's as simple as me walking up to Tira and saying, Jesus has risen, sister. Jesus has risen. But it's more than that. It's demonstrating that through your life. It's demonstrating that through your life. If you've received healing in your life, it is demonstrating a healed life through your life. It is showing people that you are different in the way that you live, in the way that you interact with people. So Pastor Ancy was talking about transformation, transformation to your communities. So what happens here is when we go out, after we've received healing, after we've received freedom from bondage, we go out and we say, you know what? Jesus freed me. He can free you too. Look at my life. Look at what he's done in my life. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything. People just look at you and they're like, "Oh, he different." She different. And that is every single man, woman, and child. I just want to highlight our children. Our children are part of this mission. Our children are part of this mission. I hope that we can disciple them carefully. And that's why our first point is go purposefully. Demonstrate Jesus in your life. And then the second thing I just want to talk about real quick uh, on this this idea of proclamation is just because someone has heard about Jesus, because most of the world has probably heard about Jesus, doesn't mean that they've heard Jesus. Just because someone's heard about Jesus doesn't mean they've heard Jesus. In Matthew 13, Jesus basically says they, they see, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. They don't understand. Something is not going through. And it could be your prayers. It could be your supplication to God that breaks through that clears the barrier, that breaks through the wall, your prayers, your supplication to God, it could be the thing that brings them into seeing and hearing. And as kingdom workers, that is what we are desperate for, to go out, to pray, to lay hands, to heal, to demonstrate a healed life, to be the hands and the feet. That is what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that people would see, that people would hear. And it goes back to compassion. It goes back to that compassion. Are you desperate to spread this word? Does your heart break for the ones in your circle that don't know God? Does your heart break for your coworkers, your family members, your weird uncle? Does your heart break for these people? Are you desperate to share the good news? Go purposefully. You know, um, something I'm not really a fan of um, it are, are the people that, that do the cardboard signs outside, right? Yeah. They, they, they're out there with the cardboard sign. And, you know, like, mostly it's because, like, it's not the most effective way to reach people, right? Um, they're out there. They have their sign. And, like, people will read the sign. But most, most of the time the signs is, like, Jesus is coming. You're going to hell. You're going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. Like, that's, that's usually the message that we see. Um, so I'm not really a fan of that. But I have to commend those people who stand out there for hours With their sign. Because they have deemed it worthy of their time to do that. To proclaim that the kingdom of God is coming. They've deemed it worthy. Their life shows that it's worth their time to proclaim that news. So my challenge to you today is, does your life show that you believe it's worthy to proclaim the good news? The way you spend your time? Does it show it? Also worth noting, Matthew, he pairs the disciples here, right? There's this pairing, this very intentional pairing, two by two. And yes, I think it is paying homage to uh, the sending of the 72. When Jesus sends 72 apostles, they go two by two to do God's work. But there are two names here that I want to note. That's Peter and Judas. See, this is a... Pre Easter, pre resurrection, pre crucifixion moment that we're having, that we're witnessing right now, right? And he sends Peter and he sends Judas, and Jesus knows, Jesus knows because he's both God and man, Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows. Jesus, J- Jesus knows that Peter will deny him. He knows. And what I see here is they still go. They still have authority. They still do God's work. And what that tells us, what scripture tells us, is that you actually don't have to have it all together to do God's work. You just need to go. God just wants a willing heart. God just wants a willing spirit. Your faith does not have to be perfect. It, it, it can be actually very imperfect. Even Peter, after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, Peter still needs correction. The apostle Paul, he confronts him and he says, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're teaching uh, false things. Stop. Peter's like, whoa. Right? That's okay. Your faith does not have to be perfect. Your biblical theology, all of those things, it does not have to be rock solid. You just need to go. Go purposefully. Go. That's our first point. Our second point. Verse 5. These 12, uh, the 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do, go among, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. The direction in verse 5 is a little confusing in scripture. right? One, because Jesus himself goes to the Samaritans. Jesus himself reveals himself and uses the Samaritan woman to, to share the gospel. Two, the great commission given after his death and resurrection directs believers to make disciples of all nations not just Israel. And three, Jesus reveals himself to Paul, whose mission is basically exclusivity to the Gentiles. Right? So what gives? What, why this direction? And scholarship directs us to the idea that Jesus, in commissioning these people to just Israel, is actually a continuation and an extension of Jesus' mission currently. All right? Track with me. Jesus, when he came, his mission was actually to Israel. Jesus' mission, right? His mission in his life was to Israel, to proclaim that he was the coming Messiah that they were waiting for. That was his mission. And so what he's doing here is he's having his disciples be the extension of this mission. They are the extension of this mission. So in Jesus' life, mission is Israel. After Jesus' death, the mission is all of creation. And that's what happens in the Great Commission. Everyone becomes part of this extension, this mission to go out to proclaim the good news. And then he goes on to say, proclaim this message The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is eschatological language, eschatological, end of days language. This is end times. Time is ticking. So go out. Go out because freely you have received. Freely give. That's our second point. Go, generously. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. We have so many testimonies in this room. We have so many testimonies in this room. You should be able to recite your testimony at the drop of a dime. Not because like you practiced or rehearsed it, right, for theatrics. That's that's not what I'm telling you right now. You should be able to rehearse or recite your testimony quickly because you've shared it so many times. You should be able to share it like this because you've shared it to so many different people. Give it away. Give that story away. Yes, it is your testimony, but it's not your testimony. Yes, it's your testimony, but it's not about you. It's about God. Give it away. Give it away. And, you know, like, it's crazy because, like, I don't know. It's like sometimes, like, preachers, like, we get caught up with, um, like, illustrations, right? We do sermon prep together. And we're like, oh, my God, like, what illustration should I use? Right? And I don't know if that's, like, our fault or, like, the congregation's fault because, you know, sometimes people in the congregation are like, oh, my God, I've heard this story before. Oh, my God. They're telling the story again. It's like, I'm sorry, I haven't, like, had more drama in my life. Right, let me go yell at my wife and then I'll come back next week. Right? It is what it is. Like, yeah, obviously, we want to be engaging, right? But man, I remember the first time I shared my testimony on stage, how painful and naked I felt. That I would show the darkest part of my soul to people. That's the beauty of God. That he can take the darkest place of anyone's soul and bring light there. That's, right. Amen. That's our testimony. That is our testimony. Before Jesus, I had a void in my life. I had a void in my life. Yeah, be it maybe it was abuse from my father. Maybe it was watching like a destructive marriage. But I had a lot of abuse and just feelings of hatred towards self. So I had a void in my life. Yeah. When I became a young adult, I tried to fill that void with things. Yes. I used women to fill that void. I used people to fill that void. I used substances to fill that void. Yeah, I did. It was dark. And nothing could satisfy me. Because every day I would wake up and I would not understand why I felt so empty. No matter what I did, and then I met Jesus, and then I met Jesus, and then Jesus came to me, and He said, "Son, it's okay." And the first time I ever released my bitterness towards my dad, I just—I just, I just remember—I I shared this a, a couple weeks ago, but like I re- the first time I ever released my right to anger. To bitterness, to hatred, to to the desire for, for for people to to love me, to lust after me. The first time I ever released that to God, I felt fire in my soul. I felt the Holy Spirit come down like a flood. And I know from that moment, I can, I know the exact moment I was never the same my soul was never the same maybe like maybe like i did things that were not so great yeah obviously like because i'm still working through things but my soul was never the same afterwards after the encounter with jesus man i never look back and i've seen him do things that i never thought were possible I know everyone has a testimony like that. Give it away. Verse 9. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search. Therefore, some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So we have this directive to go. Go purposefully, go generously, and then go with nothing. Right? Go with nothing? I don't know, like, I know a lot of you are, like, travelers. I see you on, like, Instagram, and um, I I should do this more, right? But I I don't do, like, the travel list, right? People have, like, checklists of things that they should pack. I'm the person that walks out my door with my luggage, and then I'm like, oh, my charger, (laughs) right? Get my charger, and I walk out my door again. I'm like, good to go. Oh, my glasses. My glasses for my, my glasses, pick my glasses. I'm like, oh, glasses case, right? And then I, I'm like at the airport with things in my hand like this because I just forgot so many things. But we, we love to be prepared, right? Because when you go on a trip, like obviously you should prepare for the trip. That's, that's just, I think that's just very basic wisdom. Prepare for your trip. So what are we talking about here? Jesus says, go with nothing. It's an emphasis on the radical nature of discipleship go. Do not prepare any funds for your trip. No bag to carry your supplies. No extra clothes. No shoes. No staff for protection. Go. It's an emphasis on faith required to go on mission because there will be hardship. In a couple weeks, Pastor Peter is going to be talking about suffering. There will be suffering. In another account of the same thing, Jesus says, I am sending you Like lamb among wolves, there will be hardship. There will be suffering. He says, but go with nothing. And there's an emphasis emphasis here on the charismatic nature of this sending. Go, but you don't go with nothing. That's our third point. Because what are we equipped with? We are equipped with the supernatural power of the name of Jesus. Go simply. With Jesus. The name of Jesus. There is power and authority in that name. The call here is to drive out spirits. To heal the sick. To proclaim the good news. To change lives. To bring souls for the kingdom. You do that. You have that power because of Jesus. The name of Jesus is power. And because of that, look at the tradition of our, uh, that we've inherited from the apostles who went out with this name, that did miracles with this name, that started the church with this name, who were killed for this name. And then the martyrs after him who refused to renounce this name. And then those today who are persecuted, who worship in secret, because they must worship this name. This reminds me of what Pastor IJ spoke of a couple weeks ago. Speaking the Lord's name in vain. Do not misrepresent this name. It is far too precious. People have died for this name. Far too sacred. To know Jesus and to be known by Jesus is all you will ever need to go on this mission and to fulfill what Jesus is sending you to. That's all you'll ever need. Go purposefully, go generously. Go simply with Jesus. The last time I preached was Father's Day. It was actually the very first time my dad came. He sat like right there. It was actually the very first time that he came to see me preach. Uh, he's not a believer, right, so he doesn't really go to church. And I don't actually think he would have come if it weren't for my daughter getting dedicated, right? So I'm actually thankful nonetheless that he was here, right? But as I was preparing the sermon, I was a little nervous, Right, because when I preach, you know, a lot of who I am and what was what formed me was this like really rocky relationship that I had with him, and then the things that I suffered through after. Right, that's just who I am as a person. And so, like, it's a little weird, like, if I were like to bring him up and like, you know, that man right there, you know, um, you know, because I don't want to paint him like a villain. He's not a villain, right? And so, I, I in my heart. I wanted to avoid talking about him. And it was like, I don't, I don't want to embarrass him in front of 200 people. And as I was preparing the sermon, you know, I was writing it, God reminded me of a vision he had given me. And I just felt, felt so convicted. You know, I, I, I actually, I, I spoke to my wife and I was like, should I, should I talk about my dad? Should I share something about us? She's like, what, what would you share? I'm like, I have no idea. I just, do you think I should share? She's like, no, don't do it. It's going to cause so much drama. Don't do it. But again, I just felt this conviction and this vision that God had given me years ago. I, I, I forgot about it, and he was just reminding me of it. See, um, uh, I came to show about 10 years ago, and I was uh, just like really coming into my faith. And in my faith, I did see a lot of redemption. But I received my call to being a pastor during my time here. And that was really hard. Uh, When I eventually accepted that call to ministry, I I used to work in banking. But when I received that call to ministry, my family was just very upset with me. Um, They did not support me. They actually didn't really speak to me for a year. And so... I was just experiencing a lot of hardship. But, you know, I was prepared for it. You know, the pastors here, they, they, we, were, like, we would talk through it. i pray. Like, we used to do prayer up here in the front. And I would come up and I would just cry every week. It was like, oh, my, that's so, so hard, right? And even though, like, I was on fire, right, for God, I, I thought I was maturing in a way where I was, I, I thought I was entering into acceptance, right? There are just some things, God that I know will never happen. That's what I said to myself. God, I know that there are just some things that will never happen. At the time, I remember there were three things. One was um, that my parents would have a loving marriage. I said, God, I know that will never happen. The second was that I would be happy with my calling. I'm like, God, it's okay. I'm okay with that. And the third was that my dad would come to Christ. I was like, God, I understand. You know, he's old. He's 75 now. Like, I don't think he'll change. It's okay. And I remember I was sitting right there, right? And we were just praising. And I was just worshiping. And, you know, I wasn't really thinking about anything. I, you know, I maybe like what I was going to eat after or whatever, just worshiping, you know, the worship was great. I had my eyes closed. And it hit me, and it was so clear. God gave me a vision. And he gave me a vision of my dad being baptized right here. And I began to weep. I began to weep because I saw my dad know God and i saw him profess his faith in jesus and then i began to believe that god you can do it god you can do it god it is through you not through me that's why you can do it god it's through you not through me that's why it's possible and so i held on to that vision i will hold on to that vision And I will believe that in all things, even dead things, God can bring life. In Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Let's just approach the the throne of God right now. Let's just approach him. You know, after one of the sending narratives, the 72, they come back to Jesus and they say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then Jesus replies with something funny. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the powers of the enemy. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Our joy is not in the power. Our joy is not in the authority. Our joy is in seeing people know God, that their names would be written in the book of life. So let's just thank him right now. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've changed my life, that you've saved my soul, that you've taken me up, and that you have poured onto me a love that this world cannot fully comprehend until the day you come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your heart, Lord, that breaks for your people. Lord, Lord, that even they come to you, Lord, for healing. They come to you for teaching. They don't know exactly why you've come, but Lord, your heart breaks for them because you want them to know the joy of Jesus, our Lord. that you celebrate God. That there is a celebration in heaven when people declare faith in you. Wow, what a God we serve. And you know, you don't have to do anything large, but with your hand, I just want you to lift it up. If, if If you want to pray over something right now in your life, do it right now in Jesus' name with power and authority, Jesus, I know that you can make it happen. Jesus, I know that you can make it happen. If it is in your will, it will happen. Father God, we just submit to you We submit to your will, Lord. We submit to what you have for your people because we know, we see it clearly, Lord, in Scripture. You love your people so much, more than we could ever. You love us more than we could love ourselves, Lord. So I pray that every single person here would just be, would joyfully submit to you, God. Joyfully surrender to you, God. Surrender to you. Dreams, surrender to you hopes surrender to you things that logically make sense and that God their joy their hope their dreams would be in you we know you handle them carefully so we submit them to you God would you bless all of us Lord anoint our hands and feet help us to go Lord in Jesus name I pray Amen. Have some next steps for us to take. The first is, I hear Jesus calling me for the first time. I want to know who he is. If this is you, please check off this box so that we can get back to you. Um, this This is it. This is the celebration. And we want to celebrate with you. We want to help you with any questions that you might have to walk you through this time. The second is, I will share a short or full version of my testimony with someone I know. Give it away. It doesn't have to be someone who's not a believer. Just give it away. Just share it. Practice that. Share it. Celebrate it. It's a story that's worth being told. The third is, I will pray about who God is calling me to witness to. God is definitely calling you to witness someone. That's why he sends. That's why he commissions. The fourth is I will join the summer community group. Um, again, you know, as we go through the summer, um, we're just really trying to integrate our community back together. We just want to be with each other. Just come on out. We have a, a, a variety of things for you to join. We'd love to see you there. And then the fifth is I will read Matthew 10, 16 to 31 in preparation for next Sunday. Uh, Peter's sermons are very challenging. Just prepare yourself by reading the word. Um, He has a powerful message for us in the coming weeks. So please, please prepare your hearts for that word.